lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Welcome to Lit with Lloyd. This is Lloyd Russell. Uh, our guest author today, uh, courtesy of KCAT Radio, is Carrie Lonsdale. Carrie is a Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Amazon Charts, number one Kindle, best-selling author of eight books. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, plus an anthology with 14 other authors. Yes. Uh, she is the co-founder of the Women's Fiction Writers Association, which we're going to need to learn about, and a member of the International Thriller Writers. And she is a two-time Recycle Book Club attendee. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to come on our podcast, and uh, it's great to see you again. Oh, it's great to be here, Lloyd. It's been a couple of years since it has we've seen been. each other face-to-face. -face. <laughs> yes, it's really good. Let's let's start at the beginning and, and and just get find out how you got started writing. How did the publishing take place? Agents? Just the good old backstory. Yeah, yeah. Let's get the it. backstory. <laughs> let's get the backstory. Okay. Well, I have always written. Do you remember um, those tests that you take in high school where it would tell you what your career would be? Sure. And where you were recommended to go. And for me, it always had something to do with writing. And of course, that's where I did not decide to go. I went into marketing and I did that for a couple decades. But I was, I guess you could say I was still writing because it was all nonfiction. It was technical. It was marketing. It was ad copy. And then I went to work with my husband when he started a business and I was still doing marketing. By then we had a couple kids and we decided that it was best to have one of them, one of us home with the kids. So I stayed home and very quickly realized that I no longer had a creative outlet. So I had a story idea and I just started writing. No clue. I was not a creative writing major. I wasn't an English major. And I have that book that many authors have that's in a drawer. <laughs> and I would say that's the book that I used to go back to college with is I basically gave myself an MFA learning how to structure a novel and do uh, character development and plot and pacing. So that is not the book that I published. So 2010, <laughs> I started writing what my debut, Everything We Keep, was. It went through a whole bunch of titles. It went through multiple revisions. And 2012, I started querying, which is when, as authors, we send letters out to agents to try to find that needle in a haystack who loves the book as much as we do. So I signed with an agent in 2013. So that took lots of query letters during <laughs> that year and even more revisions to the book. And so we signed, um, I signed in 2013 with Fuse Literary. And then it was about another two years before we got our first bite, um, our first offer. And then it ended up going to auction because we had several offers. Wow. So it, yes, you could have a book and a topic and it probably doesn't resonate with anybody. And then a couple of years later, it's everybody wants it. And so I signed with Lake Union Publishing, which is an imprint of Amazon Publishing, their traditional publishing arm in 2015. And then the book published in July of 2016. And it did very well because it was part of Amazon Publishing's 
what they um, what used to be called Kindle First, it's now called Amazon First Read. So it was part of that that program. So it it skyrocketed and it did phenomenal. And a month later, hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list along with several other bestseller lists. And I guess the rest is history. It's, <laughs> for me, it's been either two one to two books a year since then. Wow. So. so so uh, Amazon also has Thomas and Mercer, which is for mysteries, correct? Yes, that's their mystery thriller um, uh -huh. imprint. And then they have Montlake, which is romance. And I think, is it 47 North, which does their, is that their fantasy or their sci-fi maybe? I, I, I can't keep it all yeah. straight. And then I know they have like Little A, which is more literary. So all of your books are basically considered literary fiction. Is that... I am Lake Lake Union. Union is historical and book club fiction, ah, and so mine are okay. book club because, as you've read my books, right? <laughs> they prompt lots of discussions. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, to go off on a tangent just a little mm -hmm. bit, side trip. Yes, I want everybody to read side trip. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> because the friends of mine who have read it, we've had such a great discussion about about what happens in side trip. I mean, it was really, mm -hmm. it was really a unique uh, angle you put on that. The the structure, yes. The structure to the book was very unique. And it and I definitely feel that there is a life lesson in that one. And I, I don't want to say what the life lesson is. Because no, correct. <laughs> it'll kind of give the ending away. <laughs> no, we don't want that. We don't want that to happen. But it, that is, it was my most favorite book to write. It is the book that uh, my readers have fallen in love with the most. Uh -huh. It has not done as well as my other books. <laughs> and I don't uh. know if it's see again. It's the time that maybe when it published, it just wasn't uh, well received by the audience. I think it's one of those books that I think there's a second life to it, uh -huh. or a second wind. Yeah. I think there needs to be a way to put that back out there again, because uh, because as I said, everybody that I know read it really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the yeah. book. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll hope that it does. <laughs> we'll we'll, get we'll back keep our fingers there. and toes crossed on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So tell us about how you became part of an anthology and how was that done? That was done through JT Ellison and her Two Tales Publishing, which is her own uh, publishing arm, but she had a story idea of a woman who basically dies in the first chapter, but she has all sorts, she gets sees all sorts of different lives that she could have had and can make a choice as to going to one of those lives or does she go back to her life that she had. And so JT contacted a whole bunch of mystery thriller women's fiction authors and so you do it does run the gamut and with all the different stories it, it, so you'll get your thriller short story you'll get your women's fiction short story you'll get uh i don't know if there's a i can't remember if there's a romance in there but there there's definitely it's like flavors of jelly bellies you definitely get all the flavors in there and so she she coordinated it and we each wrote uh, what is a chapter, which was about a three to 6,000 word short story, which is very short. And we 
she let us pick from a, a list as to who we wanted to write about. So I wrote about Maya, the main character is a homeless woman. Somebody else wrote her as an archaeologist. Somebody else uh. wrote her as if she was attempting suicide. And so each one is different. And so that was a lot of fun to first write a really short story. And then, you know, she took control and got the cover and sent it out. And it did really well. Did you approach them or did they come to she, you? JT came to us. She came to me. Wow. And, so, and she's become a good friend. In fact, I was just back in Nashville. I was visiting my editor and um, she lives out there. And so we had dinner together. Nice. She's a great, great person. Well, that's quite an honor to have been picked because it's a... You know, it's a who's who of, of authors. Yes. I was actually quite surprised when she contacted me, but <laughs> yeah. it's always fun. Yeah. Don't be. Yes. Uh, tell us about the women's fiction writers group that you co-founded. Yes. The Women's Fiction Writers Association. We founded the, it's an online association that we founded back in 2013. And um, myself, as well as I believe five other uh, women's fiction writers, we were part of the women's fiction chapter of the Romance Writers Association. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the board of directors for the RWA changed the definition of women's fiction. So women's fiction, we viewed it as what drives the story is the inner journey of the main character. There can be romance elements, there can be mystery elements, but essentially it, that main character has to go through a metamorphosis or some sort of change and come out different, usually positively by the end of the story. Well, the way the definition had been written or rewritten through the Romance Writers Association was that it had to be it, the romance drove the story, but there were elements of women's fiction. And we're like, what? So we, <laughs> we didn't see it that way. So rather than arguing it or making us think about it, we we stepped down as the board within our chapter. And we spent nine months and we formed an a Women's Fiction Writers Association because there was a need for it. Huh. And since then, I think we've got close to 2,000 members now. Wow. We do uh, two retreats a year, one in Albuquerque, and then we just did the first one this time in uh, Baltimore. Um, Orly um, Koenig Lopez, uh, she it was the founding president and was president for a couple of years and has been um, still works heavily in the association, coordinates the retreats and just does a phenomenal job. Wow. How many co-founders were there? I think there are five of us, five, wow. six. Yes. <laughs> have you have you gotten any feedback or kickback from RWA about about? Oh, no, not at all. That's, we just kind of quietly went off and just did it but the but the but the romance writers association the women's fiction chapter did continue and so we just personally our group of the five of us just felt that we did not long, we no longer fit within the definition of what women's fiction was within that association yeah. and so we saw the definition is differently and what we wrote is different and so we just branched off and started our own and um a lot of our members are Members of multiple associations. Uh -huh. I believe I was a member of the RWA, I think, just up until last year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we, we know that your books fall under the Lake Union 
literary fiction or book, for, book, book, book yeah, yeah, book yeah, club fiction. yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Yes. I'm going to have a hard time remembering that. Uh, have you thought about writing in other genres? I mean, obviously, you're very successful writing in this genre, and I've read—I believe I've read them all, if I'm not mistaken—and I've—I—I I, I very much like all your books. Thank you. Uh, but is there is there something else you want to write about, or are you you're very comfortable on this road? I am very comfortable on my road, as well as I. There is other stuff that I would love to write. Um, it pre in the past, it's basically been time. I had kids at home, and I would only. I'm not one of those writers that can sit down and write eight hours a day, seven days a week. Uh -huh. I give myself the weekends off. I probably write like intently write just for three to four hours a day. And then I've learned that I just kind of burn out. But <laughs> now both kids are off to college. <laughs> and I have found that um, it's amazing the lack of interruptions that you have, <laughs> how much more you can get done. And my current work in progress, I am writing so much faster than I have any of my previous books, at least from uh -huh. the first draft. Uh, I would love to write a real romance. I would. I've been reading a lot of fantasy lately. I would love to write fantasy. But the one nice thing that I've done about my lane um, is, as you know, side trip is very romance heavy. And then no more words. My latest is um, much darker and more thriller uh -huh. and mystery oriented. And so, and I've done that intentionally, as you know, working under the advice and guidance of my agent is that this way with a wider lane of more flexibility as to what I write and I can still write under my name as opposed to like, for instance, if I was to go write a true straight romance or go write a true straight fantasy, then I would write under a pseudonym because it would be so different uh -huh. than what I currently write. Yeah. But I have so much flexibility in my current lane right now, so, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and you're writing books that, that stretch Stretch out, stretch it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your books are primed for TV and movies. Have you had any approaches from any studios? We had bites for everything we keep. They debut. But like anything in Hollywood, it doesn't always come through. <laughs> we had bites definitely for side trip in fact side trip is the one book that we thought would do really well but it published uh right when um lockdown happened right when uh black Lives matters hit the news and nobody wanted a movie about a single white female driving across country so here again we go with timing if side trip had published the year before it probably would have done incredible and would have sold the film rights um but at the time that it came out a lot of the studios in hollywood were taking their budget and going for diverse uh -huh. and own voices and um and spreading um their budgets out that way and but the one thing that's great about books is that we could get an offer two years from now, five years from now, you look at Diana Gabaldson and her Outlander series, which she started writing back in the early 90s. And she had plenty of offers. And even there was supposed to be a movie, I think, with Liam Neeson back in the late 90s that she cut it, but because she didn't like the direction it was going, sure. from my understanding. <laughs> uh, so it could be one of those things where years from now, where all of a sudden it is this book that resonates with a lot of people and Hollywood will want to pick up and get an offer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
we do hear that from a lot of authors that there has been interest uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. oftentimes it has not actually happened. But mm -hmm. uh, but as you said, you know, it, it could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, Side Trip would make a great movie. Yep. No, the No More series would be perfect for Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, listeners, uh, they're all good. Everything that Carrie writes is good. But I think that if you read Side Trip, you're going to you're going to appreciate what we're not talking about today <laughs> as we're talking about it. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it's just a whole bunch of fun. Uh, all right. So do you do you part participate in a writing group? Do you have early readers? How, how do you how, how does, does that, that work? work out? Yeah. Well, earlier in my career, I did have what I would call alpha readers. So I had a critique group. So I would write a chapter and then they would read it and kind of let me know how they felt about the direction it was going. And then I evolved to where I would have beta readers. And those are where you write the entire manuscript. And then the beta reader will give you feedback on the story as a whole. Uh, but now I'm on contract and I have a developmental editor that we send the manuscript out to. And so I write a rough draft it, and, and, and it, it's taken me a while not to really scrub it before I send it <laughs> off to my editor because I've, but I finally accepted that look. She's, she's just going to like rip it apart anyways, and I have to stitch it back together. So I might as well just write that first draft and then I send it off to her, which makes it easier when you're working on deadline. Yeah. I guess it was 2019 that you signed a new four, four book deal was with Amazon or was that later? I, or was it 2019? I think so. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought I read it was 2019, but that that's yeah, not... it's almost 2022 right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and before you sign that, or after you do your four book deal, mm -hmm. will you just automatically stay with Lake Union, or will you see if there are other publishers that you want to talk to? I would love to stay with Lake Union. They they've been good to me and uh, have have treated me very well. Uh, contract they do have first right of refusal uh, for my next story. Okay. If they do refuse it, then yeah, we take it out to market and we shop it around. Um, it, it, but that doesn't mean that I can never go back to them because yeah. I can come out with another book concept and send it off to my editor and he could totally love that one. So, it, I mean, it, it, it happens all the time. And it also depends like, well, if I'm going to write in this genre for the next one. Maybe I might do something else, like as we were talking about the romance or the fantasy. But I think for now, I'll probably write that in my spare time and then uh, still focus on my lane because I like my lane and I've got a lot of readers and I love interacting with those readers. Wow. Well, it's it's great to have to have loyalty, which you do. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the fact that they treat you well, of course, makes it easier to be loyal. But I, I still think that's very cool because we've talked to many, many authors who have had more than one publisher, mm -hmm. uh, not even counting the self-published uh, aspect of it. So uh, I think it's great that, that that you feel that way. How many of uh, of the four books from this last contract have you done? I am currently writing the last one on the contract. Okay. I am 50% through the first draft and my deadline is due to my editor April 1st. And that <laughs> one publishes March of 2023. So book eight, book eight, No More Lies or book nine? That one publishes May 10th. 
and that's okay. book two of the No More series. Okay. So May 10th is the next one that we yes. that we all get to. That's the one that I actually I just got the proof edits on. Ah, nice. So I'm going through those now. Okay. May 10th. It's it's uh it's on it, it is on fast. my paper and will be on my calendar. Very good. You you obviously have been writing very steadily uh for a number of years, but especially since you signed on with Lake Union. Uh, but you uh, recently had a situation which definitely prevented you from writing as as you had been doing that. Uh, do you mind talking about that? Not at all. Not at all. Um, to, what is it? It was June 2019. Um, it was, yeah, June 28th, 2019, exactly three days before we were supposed to go on a three-week trip to Europe. Wow. I was downstairs in the kitchen making myself a cup of coffee in the morning and I swear I could hear it but I felt just this rip through the center of my body and um, after going to the emergency room well of course I didn't go to the emergency room right away because I have a super high pain tolerance and I just thought I'd curl on my side on the couch and it would go away But I didn't. Good thing we went to the emergency room. So found out that I had a descending abdominal aortic dissection. I was only 50 years old at the time. So not only was I young, because that's considered young for for something like that to happen, but being female. Absolutely no symptoms at all. Nothing. I was in the best shape of my life and ate well, exercise, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. So when I went in for a CT scan, we found out that not only did I have a 10-inch tear that started from below my rib cage and went into my left iliac artery, that I had an aneurysm in my right iliac artery, I had a protruding saccular aneurysm off of the main artery, and I had a right subclavian artery or um, aneurysm up there in my shoulder, which was the largest. So no clue if the aneurysms developed all at once and there was some catastrophic event or if something had happened. I had gone through genetic um, studies and nothing has come up. So there's some sort of connective tissue disorder, but it's not everywhere. It's just kind of in patches. So, um, yes, we had to cancel our trip to Europe, and that happened a week and a half before last summer published. And so we had all these promotions planned and book clubs I was to visit. And I was supposed to go down to Southern California for this event for my publisher and had to cancel everything. And I was in bed when the book published basically wondering if I'd still be alive within wow. a couple of days. So yeah, it's, it was it really, really scary. Oh so the recovery has been long because for they, you can't do surgery on something like that, not on the dissection. The dissection had to heal itself first. So they put me on blood pressure meds that re, I could not, I think it was for six months, I had to keep my heart rate under 100. You know what it's like trying to keep your heart rate under 100, just going for a walk down the stairs and your heart rate shoots up. And so I had to keep it down to reduce any further tearing. And so we had to let the dissection heal 
And then they had to see what would happen to that protruding secular accuracy because that was what he called the second scariest thing. Because everything was kind of like, you know, first it was the terror in the aorta, then it was the secular aneurysm, and then it was the shoulder aneurysm. And now we've got the right iliac aneurysm that's to be watched. So anyways, long story short, the aorta has healed. All scar tissue, there's last CT scan, there's no sign of any sort of tear, which is great. Uh, last February, I had surgery where they removed my um, right subclavian artery and they inserted a four and a half inch, eight millimeter tube that is attached to what's left of the slipclavian um, artery over to the auxiliary artery in my right shoulder. And so that was fused wow. <laughs> to my wow. to there and so so now i'm actually my activity levels back up i um i can exercise again i can you know there's supposedly a lifetime warranty <laughs> on this bionic piece that they put in for, put in me so you know i should get back to i guess you could say my new normal it, you know, I, I can't work out at the activity level that I was at and I'll be on blood pressure meds for the rest of my life because we don't want, you know, to have another tear. But, um, yeah, really crazy. Wow. But I'm so, alive and I'm here. Yeah, well, that's that's certainly but good yes. news. But that's so it's been over two years. It's been over two years. And so what's interesting is No More Words was written while I was heavily medicated because and and when you have as large of a dosage of blood pressure meds that I did, all you want to do is sleep because your, your, your heart rate is so slow. I mean, you just feel like you're tired all the time. But I needed that book to write because it did. It, it kept my mind off of what was going yeah. on. Otherwise, I would just sit and stew all day because I couldn't exercise. I couldn't. I could go for walks, but I couldn't do anything to really work up a sweat or to get the stress out. And so... Um, so I wrote that book and then when I sent it off to my editor, I sent it off knowing it was a complete disaster and it was a mess because I was so out of it while writing it. And I, it was kind of at the point where I knew it was going to Tiffany, my developmental editor, and I knew that I would get some insight on it. <clears throat> and uh, coincidence or whatever, my doctor dramatically reduced my blood pressure meds right after I sent off the manuscript. So all of a sudden I'm awake again. So I got my edits back and I rewrote the book in five weeks. Wow. So. Wow. Uh, that, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry. You had, <laughs> I know, it's, had to go through it's that. Crazy. But, but since you had no symptoms, there's really nothing anybody can do preventively. There, no, there isn't. Unless you have a family history mm -hmm. of it. I mean, we, we, I did have a grandfather. Um, uh, my, my maternal grandfather did have five aneurysms. And when he was in his 70s, he basically had his aorta rebuilt. So, and then my mother, when she retired, did the whole Ancestry.com thing and noticed that all the men along her father's uh that paternal that paternal line there um in the uh, i think four or five generations up they all died in their 40s and early Whoa. 50s and so but it didn't say really from what because they couldn't detect from them so it's possible that maybe they had aneurysms uh -huh. or dissections or something so so it could be something but nothing came up in my genetic studies to 
to say it. But yes, going forward is now that I know is I can just be cautious about it. And then I just go in for a CT scan once, you know, the idea is to get me down to just once a year. Uh -huh. So it's kind of yeah, like going yeah. in for your mammogram, you go in for your CT scan and have your vascular system checked. And so, yes, my, my big pitch to anybody is you need to care for your vascular yeah. system as well as you do. Cause it, it was not heart related at all. My heart's totally healthy and it's just it's all it's the arteries it's it's the it's the actual tissue of the arteries so well i'm on the opposite side i had a triple bypass that's in, right in 2012 but but that seemed to be strictly for me i did not there was nothing genetic about it mm -hmm. as far as anybody could tell so i'm not worried about my family members having an issue with that which, which is good because now we had a um i had a contact like my my cousins my second cousins uh my sister and then with my kids too just to let them know like okay this is possibly genetic if you guys have you know it doesn't show any symptoms you might want to talk to your doctor to see if you should have a CT scan to see what's going on, just to make sure everything's okay. And then it's also too just something my kids will have to think about when they get into their early 40s is maybe go in for yeah. an annual CT scan yeah. just to make sure that, you know, if there are any aneurysms developing that they can stunt them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really good idea. Yes. Well, we are thrilled that yes. you're here and that you're continuing Great. to write. And, yes. Uh, Thank I'm looking you. forward to the next one. Thank uh, you. Okay, guys, time for some trivia. Some of these things are, <laughs> I, I get as much fun out of researching these things as I do telling you. Uh, Best-selling hardcover children's book of all time, The Pokey Little Puppy, and best-selling paperback children's book of all time, Charlotte's Web. Um, I was surprised on The Pokey Little Puppy. I thought it would be like where the wild things are or something like that. Uh Sherlock Holmes said elementary, and he said, my dear Watson, but never said elementary, my dear Watson. He did say exactly my dear fellow. Uh, and speaking of Sherlock Holmes, I don't think this will surprise anybody. He is the most, his character has been in the most movies of any fictional book character, 223 Second place and only six behind is Dracula. Uh, and this one, I think, is uh, is kind of fun. Uh, when Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, he had three names from which to choose one character. He had Small Sam, Puny Pete, and Tiny Tim. <laughs> he obviously took Tiny Tim, as we all know. Uh, so that's it on the trivia. Uh, and... Once again, I want to thank KCAT Radio uh, for hosting our podcast and thrilled that uh, that uh, Carrie Lonsdale came down uh, for this. And and as you said, it's been a couple of years. It's great to see you. And and you always have so much of interest, interesting things to tell us. So thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me, Lloyd. This has been a pleasure. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio. Mm -hmm.